Luke chapter 17, starting at verse 20. Once, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. Men will tell you, there he is or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. The flood came, then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulphur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day of the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the roof of his house with his goods inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord, they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Okay, please leave your Bibles open there. Luke chapter 17. Let's come before the Lord and ask him to guide us through this passage because we always need the Holy Spirit to be opening our eyes, giving us eyes to see and ears to hear so we can grasp all of what God has to teach us. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be opening our eyes this morning, that you would be challenging us through your word, that you would be working in our hearts Lord, we pray that your word would speak in a powerful way to us this morning and that we would give thanks for what you have done for us through Christ Jesus, in him willingly laying down his life for us so that we could be adopted into your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How do you prepare for something when you have no idea when it's going to take place. Now, it's that time of year again when lots of our farmers are busy getting machinery ready for harvest and, and some probably about to do so. I'm sure they're doing all sorts of different repairs and having their machinery serviced or serving, servicing it themselves. And why are they doing all this? Well, they're doing it so that they can have a really good run through harvest so that there's no breakdowns. They're making sure that, you know, all the oil levels are right and all of the bearings are greased, that everything's running smoothly. 
They're looking over it, making sure that they won't have any breakdowns. Because we all know that if you've thoroughly serviced your machinery, if you've thoroughly checked it over, well, then there aren't going to be any breakdowns, are there? Right? No. No, sadly, you can have all your machinery serviced perfectly. You can go over it incredibly thoroughly. And yet, it won't guarantee that you'll avoid breakdowns altogether. Why? Well, because it's hard to prepare for something when you have no idea that it's going to happen. We know it's possible to avoid all sorts of different breakdowns by thoroughly servicing our machinery. But there will always be some parts that you simply cannot predict when they're going to fail. For example, if the farmer had only known when the axle on his tractor was going to break, well, he would have had a spare one there waiting, ready to go. Often you can't tell when a tire is going to blow. It just bursts. And if a farmer knew that, well, there'd be one sitting there waiting to go. It can be hard to prepare for something when you have no idea when it, that it's going to take place. And so all you can do is do your best to prepare for the unexpected. And in a similar way, the verses we're looking at this morning are warning all those who trust in Jesus to be ready for Christ's return. In these verses, Jesus is teaching his disciples about what his second coming will be like. The disciples, like all of us, I'm sure, really would like to know the day and the hour when Jesus is going to return. If we knew when Jesus was going to return, we could be prepared. If we knew that the day of judgment was soon to take place, well, we would be passionate about the way that we reach out with the gospel to our friends and our neighbours and our loved ones who don't know Jesus. We would, it would change our priorities completely. Some things that we now consider incredibly important would all of a sudden seem irrelevant and worthless. But as much as we would like to know when Christ is going to return, God hasn't given us a way of knowing when that day will be, the day of judgment. And so in these verses, Jesus is warning all those who follow him to live our lives ready for his return at any time. So as we look at these verses... We're going to be thinking about how we can be prepared for Christ's return, even though we have no idea when it's going to take place. As these verses begin, Jesus is being questioned by a group of Pharisees. And they ask the question, when will the kingdom of God come? The Pharisees rightly believed in the coming Messiah. They rightly believed that the Messiah would be a king in the line of David and he would rule on David's throne forever. They were right in that. But the kingdom of God that they were expecting was an earthly kingdom. They were expecting God's kingdom to be a, a nation ruling here on earth. And so Jesus replied, saying, the coming kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, the kingdom of God cannot be observed, because it's not a physical kingdom 
on earth like any other kind of kingdom that the Pharisees had ever experienced. We can see the signs of God's kingdom here on earth in the visible church as it meets together each week. But even that's only a glimpse, an imperfect taste or a preview of God's heavenly, eternal kingdom. And so, as Jesus says, we can't say here it is or there it is because we cannot see the kingdom of God in the physical realm like we would an earthly kingdom. But even though we can't see God's kingdom like we could an earthly kingdom, Jesus says the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, some of the translations, the um, King James Version actually says the kingdom of God is in you. Uh, it is much better translated in the NIV, the kingdom of God is in your midst, because Jesus was, after all, talking to the Pharisees, and he never would have said the kingdom of God is in you to them. Anyway, as, as he said these words, Jesus said the kingdom of the king of God's kingdom was right there. Jesus, the king, was right among them. So he was in their midst. Jesus' reign had already begun as the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God was being spread and as more and more people were beginning to believe and trust in Jesus. So even though the Pharisees weren't able to see because they didn't have eyes to see and ears to hear, the kingdom of God was right there, right there in front of them. And so after Jesus had answered these Pharisees, he then turned to his disciples and took this moment as an opportunity, a, a teaching moment for his disciples. He said, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there it is, and or here it is. Do not go running after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. What is Jesus saying here? Well, he's, he's saying that, that there will be a time when his disciples and us will long to see his kingdom come where the entire world and all things are brought into submission to Christ. And our longing to see Christ rule and reign over all things will make us susceptible to false teachers, to those who would want to lead us astray. So Jesus warns us not to fall for the kind of teaching that will say, here is the kingdom of God, there is the kingdom of God teaching that says that there is a sign, a specific sign that needs to be fulfilled before the kingdom comes. When the lightning flashes across the sky, it happens faster than our brains can process. It just happens and, and when it strikes the sky, you can see it for hundreds and hundreds of miles. It's not something that happens in secret. And it's not something that we need others to interpret for us. We know that that's lightning and we know that it's happened. 
Jesus is saying that when he returns, we're going to know about it. There won't be any doubt about it, and we won't need anyone to explain what's going on. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But before his return, there is one thing that needed to take place. Jesus says he must first suffer many things and be rejected by that generation. Notice there's only one thing that needed to take place before Christ's return. And that was Jesus' suffering and rejection from that particular generation of Israel. The kingdom of God came in power when Jesus was rejected by his own people and crucified on a Roman cross just outside of Jerusalem. Because it was through his death on the cross in our place that Jesus took on our sin and shame upon himself. The guilt of every sin that we have ever committed or ever will commit was laid on Jesus that day on the cross. And he took that on himself for us. It was through his death in our place that God made a way for sinners like us to enter his kingdom. And so that's why it wasn't, he isn't able to return until that took place. But of course, when Jesus was saying these words, he was speaking to his disciples before the cross. It hadn't yet taken place. But now on this side of the cross, we know that it has. And so this morning, we are being warned that Jesus could return at any time and that it'll happen when we least expect it. Jesus says it'll be just like in the days of Noah. People were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage. They were going about their lives as though they were going to live forever, as though God's judgment was never going to come. Right up until the day Noah entered the ark, the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same way in Sodom. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. They were going about their lives as though they were going to live forever, as though God's judgment would never come. Right up until the day that Lot left Sodom and fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed Sodom. Jesus says in verse 30, it will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. There will be no warning. There will be no other sign other than the cross. People will be going about their daily lives as they always have, as though they will live forever. When all of a sudden, King Jesus will appear like lightning flashes across the night sky. We will not know the day nor the hour when Jesus will return. We will not expect it. 1 Thessalonians 5.2 tells us that he will come like a thief in the night, without warning, and when we have no idea that it's going to happen. 
So how can we prepare for something when we have no idea that it's going to take place? Well, Jesus tells us in verses 31 to 37. Jesus warns us not to turn back, but to instead hold on to the hope we have in him. He urges us to remember Lot's wife, who loved her life in Sodom so much that rather than running towards the life she could have had with God and trusting in him for salvation, she looked back and she identified herself with those who were falling under God's judgment. She was turned into a pillar of salt. As verse 33 says, Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. Jesus is saying that in order to be ready for Jesus' return, even though we have no idea when it's going to take place, we have to be prepared to give up the things of this life in order to preserve our life in him. If we are living our lives for the Lord in in gratitude for what he has done for us through Jesus on the cross, then we are running towards him. But if we have started to lose our way, if we've become distracted from the hope we have in Jesus and our priorities have gotten tangled with the priorities of this world, if we've started to live for our comfort and our security, trying to make our lives here on earth our priority, then we've started to be a bit like Lot's wife. We've started to look back. And because we have no idea when Jesus is going to return, now is the time for us to be reminded of the sign he has given us in the cross. And now is the time to rethink our priorities so that we can be confident in our own hearts and minds that we're ready for Christ's return. For whoever tries to keep their life in this world will lose it. And whoever loses their life by serving Jesus with all that he has entrusted them with will preserve it. This is something that each of us as individuals need to consider for ourselves. You can't trust in Jesus for your spouse or for your children. And they can't rely on the fact that you're walking with the Lord either. Because Jesus says in verses 34 and 35, I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Each of us needs to consider how we will respond to the sign of the cross and whether we will seek life in the kingdom of God or whether we'll be like Lot's wife and look back. Once Jesus had finished speaking, his disciples asked him, where, Lord? It's only two words, but they're two very loaded words. What they seem to be asking here is, where will all this take place? 
How would they know that they're in the right place so that they're able to see Christ's return? Seems to be what they're asking. And Jesus answers, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. I probably don't need to explain that. It's pretty explanatory. Um, no, what, what Jesus seems to be saying here is we, we don't have vultures here in Australia. But when there, when there is a dead body lying even off in a distance, it can be seen by the vultures circling overhead. If you see the vultures circling, you know that it's there, even from a long, long way away. What Jesus is saying is that every eye will see when he returns. It won't matter where you are. It won't matter what you're doing. Because even though Christ's return will happen when we least expect it, it will not happen in secret. The verses we're looking at today are warning those who trust in Jesus not to become complacent about the coming kingdom of God and to start to turn back, to love this life more than the coming kingdom. We're not to start to be like the servant who thought that their master was a long time in coming. They're back in Luke chapter 12. This morning's passage is warning us not to listen to people who say, here's a sign of the coming kingdom and try and sidetrack our focus in being ready for his return. Because Jesus warns us that the coming kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. And Jesus points out that he hasn't given us a roadmap for when that's going to take place. He wants us to be ready for it to take place at any point or at any time. Because if we knew when the coming kingdom was about to take place, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we would become complacent. We would put it off. We would live for ourselves in the meantime, knowing that we didn't have to keep living for him up until that point. But Jesus will return like a thief in the night. Do you have plans for tomorrow or for this week? Who knows? Who knows if any of us will even have this next week? Let's not be amongst those who are eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building without any thought for Christ's return. Now, of course, we can't stop living our lives, caring for our families and carrying out our responsibilities. That's not what this is asking us to do. But we can make sure that we are doing all of those things for our Lord and King Jesus. We've been reminded today that whoever tries to keep their life will lose it and whoever loses their life will preserve it. What's the difference between the two? Well, it's what we are living for. Are we like those in the days of Noah and those in Sodom who are living for themselves? Or are we living lives that glorify our Saviour and King, Jesus. We can't control our future. 
None of us know how many days we have left, regardless of how young or old we are. None of us have any idea when King Jesus will return. But what we can control is who we live for. And so the answer to the question, how can we be ready for something when we have no idea when it's going to take place, is to live our lives both in public and in private, day in and day out, looking forward to the coming of Jesus, our Saviour and King. Let's pray. Father God, we confess that we have all been like Lot's wife. We have all looked back. We have all identified ourselves at times more with this world than with the coming kingdom. We've all become absorbed in our, our work, our projects, our own worries and cares of this life. And yet your mercy is new every day. You love us so much that you are not willing to leave us in that state. And so, Lord, we pray that you would work in each of our hearts this morning, that you would inspire us to do all that we do, whether work or play, whether family time or rest. We pray that we would do all that we do for your glory and for your name's sake. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.